the grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. The great cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel the gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Grey Cricketer Podcast on the Diamond Tina Podcast Network. Well, what has happened in the last, say, eight days since we last convened? Well, let's start off with uh, Warner walked off. That happened almost about a year ago. Uh, The Colts review came out. Uh, The whole question of should Smith and Warner return. Uh, Then, of course, uh, Peeva got sacked, the whole elite honesty thing. There was a record loss of South Africa yesterday. And this afternoon, Mark Taylor stepped down from the board. So we're going to try our best as we can to speak about that within the time frame of about 20 minutes, which we'll probably fail with miserably. Then after that, Dan Bredig is on the show to try and uh, talk serious cricket um, in in better ways that we certainly can. Oh, yeah, by the way, Adam Gilchrist is on the show. How do you match a show with with Steve uh, Steve Waugh and Tim Payne Mm -hmm. on the previous show? Well, you just have one of the greatest cricketers of all time. Adam Gilchrist is on the show in a moment's time. However, big news from our end before then is that we have live shows all around the country. If you like this podcast so much that you want to come along and see it in person, live, well, we're coming to your city if you live in Australia where there are test matches. Adelaide, Thursday, December 6th. Uh, 7 p.m. at the Rhino Room. Then Perth. We're going to the Wacker on Friday, December 14. We're going to be in Melbourne, day two of the test match on the 27th of December. Whereabouts he goes? The Corner Hotel. And then to wrap up the Indian leg of the tour in Sydney, Thursday, January 3. Tickets, if you want to know, go to our Facebook page. There is a live event there and you'll be able to acquire all your tickets. And then, of course, uh, after that in January, we'll be doing the Sri Lankan tour in Brisbane and Canberra. (gasps) Wow. My name is Ian Higgins, and I am joined by Sam Perry and Dave Edwards. Welcome, boys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thank Thanks for welcoming. And here we are in person Mm. again. Uh, Can we start by saying, as well, just on all matters administrative, thank you for sending us number one for about four hours. uh, (laughs) uh, Charts last week before Howie got back on top. G'day, Mm. Howie. Mm. Uh, But thank you for that. Obviously, we only deal in Australian cricket captains now Mm. as guests, so another reason why our show will um, run into a... Uh, quick conclusion pretty quickly. <laughs> Australian cricket has uh, caved in. Not, probably not since the last time we chatted. I, I, think, was, I, think, I think the the cave was already starting to mm-hmm. crumble, but it really has caved in. He goes, that laundry list that you read out was um, uh, is jarring uh, listening. Yeah. But, um, and, I, and I feel like we're now at the point where like this is now a, like a full-scale identity crisis. <laughs> uh, so it's right in our wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, I don't even really know where to start. I mean, I think the real, like, the the overarching thing Mm. in the last couple of days was the culture review. Like, what a rich, meaty term (laughs) that is. And it was, like, a meaty document, 145 Mm. pages or something. I mean, we obviously all read it. Um, yeah, yeah, word, yeah, word for word, every yeah, single yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. every yeah. single word, mm. um, even the redacted ones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but wasn't it amazing? I mean, I think we should though start okay. with what happened immediately after we put our podcast out, which was David Warner walking off the field. We'll have sure, a final right. word on it. I mean, everyone's talked about it, yeah, but this yeah. is great cricket. Mm. Uh, I mean, like Dave, thoughts, mm. Warner, leaving. Well, 
it's it's amazing that he was able to execute an alpha play um, <laughs> just at every turn. There's always an opportunity. Um, I've never seen it before. Have you guys ever seen anyone just walk off the field and then walk back on, not for like a mm. toilet break or mm. some kind of medical emergency, mm. but just, you know, didn't fancy the chat. It mm. feels very akin to, you know, WG Grace being bold, putting the bales back mm. on and mm. going, no, I, I will continue to yeah. play now. Mm. Um, but that felt very 2018 of David. My view on it was that like, and, and, and that incident is almost encapsulated by the whole thing that's happened since March mm. in Cape Town in that, uh, in that I think he is, Warner has been made to take almost entirely all of the blame for what's happened. Of course, since then, even to the, the point this afternoon when Mark Taylor has stepped down from the board, a direct mm. consequence of so this African tour. But um, whilst Steve Smith has his renaissance in grey cricket and is celebrated for everything mm. he's doing, big oh, crowds yeah. turning out, mm. Dave Warner's having the pole opposite effect where he's like, okay, he is actually the worst bloke in Australian cricket history. Mm. And that's, sorry, that's that's not my opinion. That's, the, no, that's, that's on Wikipedia. That, that's all Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, the Fox and Sports article said that. Yes, yeah. it did. Yeah. Um I just think it's really unfair that he's been tainted that way. I think there are so many reasons to not like David Warner across the world, but Mm. I don't think he should take all the blame for what happened in South Africa like he is. I mean, to his absolute credit, though, he is just plundering runs. Like, he's (laughs) been told, what about the runs, Mate, go back to great cricket and and prove yourself. And he's actually hitting a lot of fucking runs. Yeah. Like, we're not even talking about the runs that he's hitting in in an era where runs are, you know, an absolute Mm. dearth of runs in Australian cricket Mm. across the board. Mm. I think, uh, yeah, I hadn't appreciated that you could interpret what Warner did through the alpha prism. <laughs> um, I'm just out of here. I'm done. Uh, like in the backyard, no need to break. See yep. you later. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I interpreted it more through a mental health prism, <laughs> yeah. somewhat more yeah. earnestly. Yeah. You know, it, it is funny, like, and as you guys say what you're saying, like, there's too much going on for us to deal with this in yep. segment one. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so we're going to miss heaps of stuff. Apologies. Just on the Warner stuff as well, though, like, it just occurs to me that a couple of other things have happened around... Um, his walk off, like uh, you know, I encourage everybody to read Gideon Haig's piece on Moses Omriks mm-hmm. uh, that came out in last weekend's Good Week. No, the Australian Australia. version of the Good yeah. Weekend. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. Uh, News Limited, and then obviously the news of Will Pekowski as well mm-hmm. um, taking an indefinite break for mental health issues. Obviously, like there's a, probably a false equivalence between all of them, but like it, it just occurs to me like there's something's really building when it comes to this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and I, I think there is a lot of, on Warner's shoulders, and it's not a binary question. Like he can be a guy that makes mistakes or be a guy that you don't like or you dislike and he can also mm-hmm. be unfairly treated uh, at the same time yeah yeah I, I find that really interesting Pez because I think just I, I still go back to the thought of like what they actually did and it was like I think it was the incident of the ball tampering and like that they brought Sam Pamela to the field I just think it was fucking stupid mm. like we've we've gone on in the past about how like ball tampering happens in 100% of cricket matches in some capacity um, what they did was so insanely dumb that it deserved punishment. But, like, the fact that the people, like, the board is changing per day, mm. guys have just, like, lost their livelihoods, like, the fine is just incredible, um, their legacies are being tainted. And I, I just, I can't help think, but for what? And I agree that the what's been happening with specifically Dave Warner says to me, and Pez, we've spoken about this previously as well, is just, like, he, he strikes me as someone who's really struggling um, and... And how could you blame him as well? Mm. You know, like, he was also, of the three guys, the only one to not actually get a suspension from the ICC, mm. yet he is copying a, a greater punishment. Yeah. yeah. And, like, don't you feel like with the culture of year, right, just you know, this is earnest chat on the grade cricketer, that, mm-hmm. like, so much of what has come out seems to refer to the period 
from the Argus report to the mm-hmm. culture review. Right. And really, like, most people are acknowledging that, like, this stuff runs so deep and has mm-hmm. gone... It goes back decades. Mm-hmm. And it's like the Sandpaper event was just the kind of... Um, culmination point of all of that mm. and to that to that end i can see why the aca for example were like these boys are sorry let's bring them back a bit early yeah. what they did is not worth 12 months like the disrepute that mm. they brought to the game is actually the culmination of stuff many many oh. many people have done mm. except that they're just carrying it yes um, i do take malcolm knox's point though that perhaps steve smith could kind of erase all of this by saying no i'm just going to cop the ban and then we'll carry on afterwards mm. if you had to deep dive you know the, the the problems with australian cricket now you have to go back well before the argus oh. you have to go back to bradman you have to go back to <laughs> colonialism <laughs> right. you have to like consult australian yeah. history yeah you know from invasion onwards yeah this this it doesn't all stem basically from like when you know the settlers came here and they just said terra nullius yeah. there's yeah. no one else here <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. when this really actually started that's when it started, yeah. When it started. Yeah. yeah invaders yes the invaders anyway yes. lost half, half our audience cool lost half the audience um Again. so the fallout continues and it's, it's so hard because but even before we came to air just like t- today we were just saying like how do we make this funny because like that's what this show <laughs> yeah. is supposed to be but there's, be such, there's such an earnest reflection about yeah. Australian culture because I think that what's happening with the Australian cricket team is almost a reflection of, of Australian society because yeah. like our identity is being questioned and yeah. we don't really know how to go about it we don't know who Sha- we are Shane Warren was on the commentary essay just saying well we just need to be harder yes which yeah. is <laughs> I mean like that's literally how we got in this position how Shane. good is but, the last generation talking about Australian cricket at the moment like yeah. they just won oh, all yeah. the time then it's like just but just be aggressive and just play well. <laughs> but it's yeah. always like, like the that's most what we did. naturally yeah. talented players of a generation. That's just right. say, just play cricket. Just yeah. pick up a ball. Just spin it. Make it turn. Hit a ball. Hit it yeah. for six. We did it. Why can't you guys do exactly. it? Exactly. Not, notwithstanding that they just grew up in an entirely different mm. scenario. Not the internet generation. Mm. Uh, they didn't have, you know, 24-7 news cycles mm. all over them, mm. all over their ass. Mm. They probably had jobs growing up as well. Like, mm-hmm. Whereas these guys today just have been in the system for a long time. They've been systematised. Mm. Mm-hmm. Conditioned, they don't know what's going on. Uh, it's good stuff. But Mark War on in the um, the one day, which we'll get to in a moment, yeah. I'm sure. Yesterday, just said Australia just just need to start winning games of, <laughs> of, of, of cricket. Yeah. Like at yeah. this point, we just need to start winning games of cricket. Like there's yeah. so much talk and, and a lot of it quite politically charged in nature yeah. about restructuring and reshaping in an identity and the academic approach that we've yeah. taken in the first six minutes of this episode. Yeah. Let's just fucking win some cricket. Just win. Have you, haven't you considered the idea of just winning just the game? Win cricket. Remember, like ten years ago when Mark War just started his commentary career and we were like on a Bunsen burner in India. Mm-hmm. I may have told this story in the cast before but it still just sticks with me. They they, they threw to him at a drinks break and Australia was sort of three for not many mm-hmm. and he's like, I, I just don't understand why they don't just hit Harbhajan on the full. <laughs> 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 just, just get him on the full. Something about Mark Boy's like, I just don't rate off spinners. Yeah. Just yeah. like a blanket statement yeah. across. <laughs> weird, but you're an off spinner. So going back to the culture review and apologies listeners because we are all over the place but part of that review was the players packed um, which included some some key catchphrases, mm. and if you can sum up, you know, uh, any sort of systemic failures in any organisation, just a few key catchphrases might might uh, you know sort of uh, you know reengage the public. And, and one of those was elite honesty, which is now emblazoned all over the Perth, the Optus Stadium dressing mm. room there in Perth, and um, and that didn't work because we got bowled out for 156. Aaron Finch famously being being perhaps a little bit too elitely honest mm. by being LBW and not reviewing, mm. but the umpire gave him out, so he thought no honesty. We thought it might be uh, an idea to see if we could organise at a really like quick moment's notice uh, an actual like philosopher to discuss <laughs> honesty and notions of objectivity, because you know I, I think one of the theories is that objectivity is in the eye of the beholder. There's no such thing as 
objective truth other than sort of two plus two equals four. Everything else is just subjective. So what is there a hierarchy of honesty available in life? And if so, what is it? And if so, can I have it? Uh, because I, I, I don't know what it is. I, I feel like elite honesty is going to become an extremely thrashed out meme in oh, about two yeah. or three days. It's the new Watson review, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. just a meme that's going to be thrashed to death. You can't just add elite as a prefix, or prefix, should I say, to everything, can Aussie you? Rules. Well, uh, one thing that is binary is uh, Faf C has the greatest rig in cricket history, and he's back on our shores. Nice to see Faf back. Uh, Pez, you personally reached out to uh, to the South African press back to try and get Faf on the show. Yeah, it was an extremely uh, like elongated mm. message to the South African media managers. Mm-hmm. There's, there's two of them, actually. I won't read all of it, but it, it was a fairly long explanation because we don't have a whole bunch of South African fans. Uh, so I sort of described what the great cricketer was, yeah. what we're into, that we're really big fans of Faf, especially mm. his rig. <laughs> we have X amount of listeners. Mm. You can endear yourself to the Australian public, mm. etc. Um, I had a um, pretty prompt reply. Uh, I, I won't say who the media manager name is, but it's, hi, Sam, thanks for your mail. Unfortunately, Faf is not available to do this interview. Regards. <laughs> um, and then you quickly I said, replied. I, I quickly back. replied straight away. Okay, he's on the computer. Uh, I'm going to go back quickly. I appreciate the reply. To be clear, uh, if we found the optimal time, would this change things? Uh, I haven't received a reply yet. So uh, I think it's, it's fair to say, unless there's an yeah. exclusive uh, yeah. with ACA or something like that, as in a current affair, uh, I, I don't think South Africa are putting Faf Duplessis up to discuss Australian cricket identity. Real Fair shame. enough, but it would have been great to talk about his rig. So if you are listening, Faf, uh, you're more than welcome on this show. Um, okay, so let's get to the game itself. Australia continues to not be able to bat. It's uh, mm-hmm. becoming an issue. And I think I even said last week on the podcast, I can't remember, but I think I said, at, at, at what point do we stop having record lows? And this, <laughs> and this, uh, this first match, the first match back in Australia, and we received a new record, a new record low by losing to uh, Paca- um, Pakistan, uh, South Africa for the that sixth was, that time. Was last week. That was last week. Yeah, it's hard to. I mean, they both have green, yeah. green, uh, you know, jerseys, whatever. So uh, he said to himself, yeah. um, uh, sixth time we've lost to South Africa in a row. In a row, I think uh, of the last twenty-five ODI matches, we have won six of the mm. last twenty-five ODIs that we've played. Why were we expecting anything different? I'm not sure. But I did because, Australia. It's, you know, it's summer and it's mm. one day. As yeah. You just turn the TV on and you're hoping that Australia is going to be like one for 80 or 13 yeah. when I turn the TV on and we yeah. were like three for eight yeah. or something horrendous. Mm. And the only reason I turned on the television because I was reminded that um, there was cricket on. Mm. I didn't know because mm. it's obviously behind a paywall, etc. Cricketers, <laughs> you've never seen it before, though, yeah. mind. Because you've never seen it. And great cricketer got a little shout out. I think it might just skid on. I refer to the great cricketer here, and I'll say, this will do a little bit early. <laughs> and then I think Mark Warren and Howie were on commentary, and they kind of gave, like, a polite giggle. Yeah. Obviously, Mark Warren knows all about the great cricketer. Yeah. What is, Mark what is, Howard's scared of us because we're threatening him for number one on the sports charts. <laughs> what is the great crickets? Um, so uh, do you guys not think that uh, that Warner and Smith being banned is kind of papering over some cracks because like it's not like there are five other blokes who are also suspended or injured like mm. the, the current batting lineup is actually mm. the best that there is there's not like a guy in shield cricket who we're just hiding who's who's already got like 10,000 first class runs like, yeah, like that Jamie Siddons doesn't exist yeah Martin Love mm. you know a Darren Lehman if you will will you yeah it's really curious because it would be easy to say well yeah but it's not profitable anymore to bat long in cricket but like surely that also applies to every other country and they seem to be able to bat as well so I I think there's something like uniquely and systemically wrong Mm. uh, with Australian batting not just Australian cricket overall but Mm. batting itself bowling's okay bowling's good but what's wrong with our batting Uh, Kerry did suggest on Fox Sports uh, show yesterday that um, (laughs) uh, that Darcy Short was a victim of the wanger Um, (laughs) 
which was hilarious in and of itself, but mm. I think he's referring to those like mm. those dog throwers. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, so oh, yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. try and get to the bottom of it uh, yeah. uh, in a piece for The Guardian this Friday. Uh, no, um, <laughs> <laughs> I am. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's something wrong with the batting. We should be producing sort of raw country um, mm. kids coming through who just want to score runs for fun. We just not... grow up in, like, quarter-acre blocks in regional New South Wales exactly. with, like, five siblings and just hit runs relentlessly <laughs> for their entire lives until they play for Australia at 19. Like Gilly, who's coming on the show mm. later. Um, there is something quite amazing, though. I had a, I had a quick little look at the, the odds for who's going to win the next World Cup, famously in England next year, just before, about a week and a half before the Ashes start. Um, and India and England are, are favourites. And the third favourite team to win the World Cup next year is Australia. So, like, um, what, why? We were not very good at them. I think it's the same as what Dave was saying before. Dave thought we would win yesterday, as I did, because it was summer. Mm. Uh, like you sort of walk outside and like <laughs> lick your finger and stick it in the air and go, oh, that's the season we win. And mm. I think that we do forget that, like especially overseas, a lot of people. I mean, the, the fear around the Australian cricket team is definitely diminishing, but it's still there. Mm. I remember talking to people in London about this, mm-hmm. and they just, and I said, look, Australian cricket's not that good anymore. Like, yeah, they sort of say, yeah, but we're still mentally disintegrated. I, I still mm. think people are, are getting over it, so we just sort of out of respect are placed third, even though yeah. none of our results suggest that we should be. We should be. Mm. Okay, um, so we'll just uh, we'll just. <laughs> We'll just, just, we'll just round out this uh, this part one before Dan Brittig and then Adam Gilchrist come on the show. Um, but uh, so Mark Taylor left, uh, Peaver obviously as well a, a few days before. Is this sort of a, a signal that like everyone is so taken aback by like what's happened that they're just like kind of jumping ship, or is this you know Mark Taylor released a um, statement saying you know now's the right time for a fresh change, etc., etc. Obviously the right things to say, but is it a bit like? Well, this has gone to shit, so I'm just going to jump, jump ship. ship. Uh, I don't think he's like jumping. Like, like I don't think he's rats off a sinking ship. I think Taylor. Mm. Probably most people sort of say that Taylor's quite a decent guy, mm-hmm. and he has cricket's best interests at heart. But mm. he probably rec- recognizes that you know if he was part of steering the ship that got us into this trouble, then he can't be part of fixing it. There has to be fresh people on board, and that's why there's such a conversation at the moment about who should replace him. You know, we can see on Twitter that people are starting to call for like basically the good blokes eleven. Anyone who's in the good blokes eleven is in. So yep. I see Kadich's name being thrown about. Friend of the show, obviously. <laughs> uh, I think I my favourite part of this whole, uh, you know, people stepping down thing was the role that the New South Wales chairman had. You know, obviously Sydney Test Cricket is yeah. the most <laughs> important and celebrated form of, of amateur cricket in the world. And it's just good to see the New South Wales CEO just alphering, getting amongst it, making that phone call. See you later. So remember as a kid when, like, in a 92 World Cup warm-up match, New South Wales played Australia, and it was a tie, and I was going for New South Wales. I didn't realise that parochialism um, ran that strong. Yeah, extremely deep I just still am reminded of, like, when Australia was so good that they had to put Australia A into, like, the tri-series mm. to, like, make it competitive, and, yeah. and consistently it was Australia A versus Australia in a tri-series final. And I loved Australia A. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Always but that's because Australia. they had, like, that generation, like, Damien Martin, Hayden, Ponting, Ponting mm-hmm. Just like yeah. that was that was who was in Australia A at Phil the time. Emery. Phil Emery. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mark Atkinson. <laughs> uh, all right, Dan Bredick coming up, but then after that, Adam Gilchrist. I don't play cricket for results. I don't come to take wickets, score runs, or win games. I play cricket. To look good. Rigs, chests, pipes, circuits, salads. This is my domain. So when I hit the sheds, I need to radiate success. 
That's why I use Chop King Cologne by TGC. With a blend of the finest handcrafted English willow and Kookaburra Red King leather, Chop King Cologne lets me radiate cricket. Whatever the ground, whatever the circuit. Chop King Cologne. The new fragrance for men by TGC. Reek of runs without hitting them. Well, fellas, uh, the guy that we've got on here today has been covering this um, major identity crisis in Australian cricket, as well as anybody, uh, if not better than anybody else. He's the assistant editor of ESPN Crick Info. You should read his pieces. Um, they're as detailed as they are salacious. He must be being briefed by everybody. So we're going to get him to tell us all about that and not reveal any sources, but also can you reveal sources. Dan Bredding, <laughs> welcome to the show. Great, great to be here, guys, and uh, no, I most definitely cannot. Okay, cool. <laughs> Professional. Um, very good. Well, just thought, thought we'd check anyway um, before you admitted to something that would help you lose your job. Um, Dan, tell us what is going on with this identity crisis. I mean, like, like how serious is this in the context of everything that's ever happened in, in Australian cricket? Uh, there have been lots of things uh, this year that have been unprecedented. Uh, <laughs> I think the most significant, um, certainly in the last week, was a chairman of Cricket Australia uh, resigning or being forced to resign before he'd actually finished his uh, elected term. That's never happened in the history of of Cricket Australia slash the ACB, which has lasted uh, for well over a century. So that, that, that tells us the degree of uncharted territory we're in. And you yourself have obviously been, you know, hearing whispers in corridors, really covering this from the ground and, and, and testament to you because some of those pieces have been fascinating reading. Um, can you kind of run us through your process? I mean, there's there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of things being said, but um, only a select few are privy to those conversations, I guess. Yeah, well, it, it, a lot of it is about um, knowledge accumulated over time. Uh, I, I've, I say quite often to people that... Um, information that may not seem important or, or overly useful at an earlier period may later become uh, very useful or, or even critical as events um, further develop. Uh, it's, I think it's always important to uh, have, a, have a, a concept of the, of, um, of, the, of the background as well as the foreground of events. Um, you know, what, what, does, what links one person to another, what links one event to another. Uh, and in terms of what we've seen over the past week or so, uh, it's just really a kind of a, a, a conflagration of a whole lot of a whole lot of different elements. Whether it's the release of the cultural review, the state of the Cricket Australia board in terms of the chairman looking for another three years, ostensibly because there's a new CEO, but hang on, the new CEO is an internal candidate or an internal choice who's been involved at Cricket Australia as long as the chairman has been. Therefore, why then do you need to extend your term as chairman? Uh, and then why do you need to try to extend your term as chairman without full visibility around what's in the cultural review that you yourself commissioned? So all of those things coming together over the over the past week and, and even as we've seen um, in, in very recent... Uh, recent events, Mark Taylor resigning from the Cricket Australia board after a long time. Now, that doesn't happen, I don't think, uh, if, if he uh, hadn't been such a, an, an ardent supporter of David Peaver as the chairman. So, Dan, 
over the last sort of six months has been what happens in South Africa into player sanctions, into culture review, Piva leaves, and then, yeah, as you, as you say just there this afternoon, uh, you know, longest serving member of the board, 13 years or something, Mark Taylor steps down. So um, how much worse does this get for a Cricket Australia, for Australian cricket as a whole? Uh, well, Mark Taylor has said himself he hopes that the the the, the purge or the bloodletting, whatever you want to want to call it. Uh, ironically enough, I watched the death of Stalin for the first time the other night, and uh, <laughs> that seemed really really appropriate timing um, in 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 terms of uh, in terms of that film. But uh, yeah, he's indicated that that he hopes that it it, it stops with him. Uh, I still think there are questions to be asked of other board directors in terms of. Uh, how they could support the chairmanship of someone who was so clearly inadequate, certainly to the task of being uh, a front person, a spokesperson for Cricket Australia, uh, and uh, and how that, that was allowed to, to perpetuate for so long. I think something else that comes into this in terms of you know how much further does it go or how bad does it get is how quickly Kevin Roberts can assert himself as the new CEO. Um, Something that has been very much of a standout to me is the moment James Sutherland leaves the building, a lot of people who may have been more careful in considering whether to throw rocks at Cricket Australia um, while James was there uh, are now uh, much more um, free in, in, in deciding to. And, and that's a situation that, uh, that Roberts in particular is going to have to... Um, take control of and he's known for for a lot of polish and and for a lot of uh, ability to 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 pitch successfully he is a he's a salesman by by career in in the in the corporate sector so uh the yeah the the question is really whether he's going to be able to um to uh to i suppose tell a tell a fresh story that that people are going to um going to find credibility in pretty quickly well, Dan, if Roberts is a product of the old regime, and as many people kind of say, uh, is has been tethered uh, to David Peaver, both in kind of when they started, but also the sorts of things uh, that they were advocating, and Peaver has um, fallen on his sword, albeit reluctantly, like what kind of tenability does Kevin Roberts have? Like, I mean, does, um, it, will he not always be seen as kind of the guy who carried the can for, for David Peaver? I mean, can he take Cricket Australia forward? I think he, uh, I think he's known from the moment that he got the job that he was starting from a long way back. Uh, I remember, and it, it feels like a long time ago now, the the, um, the the announcement of of him taking over from from James Sutherland, uh, which was at the start of October. Uh, he, I, I asked him directly, you know, how how can you convince the Australian cricket public that you're the person to take the organisation forward, given your history uh and he said well you know all i can all i can do is be judged on my actions not on my words and that's this isn't something that i can spin uh and and i think you know there, there was some um uh there was some authenticity in in him saying that now what may happen and what may be happening for him at the moment is the chairman going obviously james sutherland had already gone Mark Taylor's now gone. Another one who's gone, who is a little bit under the radar, was Tony Harrison, a long-time board director, also uh, based in in Tasmania. Uh, he he retired at the at the at the AGM. These changes uh, provide vacancies that allow for fresh 
blood, which Roberts is going to have to work with uh, while trying to convince uh, the Australian cricket public, as I say, that uh, as CEO, with control, with authority, he he can chart a new path, and and I suppose try to try to to indicate that um, he he wasn't necessarily uh, as in control of previous events as as he might be now. Dan. Um you mentioned fresh blood before, and it's funny talking about all this sort of stuff. I mean, I'm sure any club cricketer out there understands the kind of uh, dryness of talking about committee stuff, and this is just that kind of um, <laughs> times 10, but it, I guess it is important. You mentioned fresh blood before. You know, there's a lot of departures off the board. There's a lot of people talking about how Australia can be uh, become good blokes again, whether that's alpha, beta, or otherwise. Mm. You know, who are um, the people you're hearing uh, that might... Um, want to be on the board or that should be on the board and I'm talking about who should be the new chairperson um, and who should be the who else should be on the board now that Taylor has departed as well you know give it give us the uh, the whispers who's in the running well I think there's already a a, a bit of a, a campaign for uh, for Simon Cadditch to join the cricket Australia board uh, yeah. I think that uh, it was interesting uh, to um, uh, to note the other day that he made a, uh, a, a public uh, departure from the, the view of the Australian Cricketers Association in, in him publicly stating that, uh, that uh, Stephen Smith, David Warner and Cameron Bancroft should serve out their bans. Uh, I think that was uh, a significant statement. I don't know if that was necessarily positioning by, by Kadich, but uh, it's certainly the sort of message that would... Um, would 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 find find him uh, in that sort of middle ground, I guess, between the between the two camps. Uh, another uh, another person, uh, and maybe not maybe not her directly, but um, an example raised by Mark Taylor today was Alex Blackwell, who fairly recently joined the new the Cricket New South Wales board, and and his expression that uh, he hopes that he is replaced on the Cricket Australia board by someone with recent cricket playing experience certainly much more recent than his own and and also someone uh yeah potentially with that uh female um cricket playing experience as 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 part of their their makeup because of course there are uh, a couple of women on the cricket Australia board Hay and michelle tradenic but no one who comes from the uh from the the, the playing quarter both michelle and, and jackie are from a corporate background and uh, you know, in terms of, of seeing the, the overall picture, uh, that that sort of breadth of skills is why you have an independent board in the first place. Dan, do you reckon all this is going to have an impact on how Australia play? Like we saw yesterday uh, over there in Perth, the way the team performed, i.e., very poorly. Um, and then pretty much since what's happened in Cape Town, it's been all bad news for Australian cricket. Do you actually think that all this stuff in the background, the sort of committee stuff, you know, cricket Australia falling in, basically, um, is this all going to have an impact on how the players play on the field? Do you think? I don't know if the board movement will, but certainly the amount of introspection that the Australian mm. team has gone through has been reflected, I think, in seeing quite a few what I'd, what I'd um, term as, as cloudy performances where players look like they're hesitating or leaders look like they're overthinking. Mitchell Stark not taking the new ball yesterday looked to me just like a classic example of overthinking. Uh, oh, we've had a losing streak. We need to change things up to try to, 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 try to get a better result. But... Really, I don't see where Australian um, the Australian team's performance is going to improve by not giving Mitchell Stark the ball when it's at, at its newest and most likely to swing. 
I, I just don't see I don't see the point in 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 um in in doing that. Other than uh, that's the result of a lot of conversations, a lot of meetings, a lot of thinking, and and probably overthinking. And I, and I think that's the that's the cloud really that the team needs to uh, to emerge from. And that's made harder by the fact, of course, that there are there are a couple of leading lights in terms of the, of the batting who aren't available. I know that when I played grade cricket, I was always my, at my worst when I was thinking about the composition of the, um, <laughs> the the governance of the team that I was involved in. And there were many teams that I was involved in, so I can understand how that might affect them. Well, one of the great things about club cricket, of course, is a, is a club a, you know a club president goes out to bat. Won't be coming out to bat in the in the test series against uh, India this summer, you know, unless they make an extremely uh, surprising and, and controversial call and, and anoint Travis Head as the chairman. Mm. Or bring back Simon Cage into the team, <laughs> as he deserves. Dan Brady, uh, thanks a million for that. Obviously, your detail shines through there. Read Dan's articles at uh, ESPN Crick Info. Cheers for joining us, mate. Worries it all. Are you sick of the same old sports drinks? Do you need a plastic bottle rolling around in the front seat of your car for six months that also doubles as a urine capsule for those extra long away days? Something that says, I think I'm strong, but I'm actually just chubby. Introducing Alpha Aid, the new number one electrolyte drink from TGC. Alpha Aid helps heal the four emotions you faced after a day in the field hope, shame, boredom, and loneliness. Drink it and you'll feel back to your old self in no time. Alpha Aid doubles as the perfect hangover cure too. Nothing makes you temporarily forget all those hey you up texts like sipping on a cool glass of Alpha Aid while sitting in a blackened room trying not to drop your phone on your face. And now introducing Max Alpha Aid, the patented technology that will actually increase your size in the showers. Low on runs? Give yourself the few extra inches in the post-game showers you so desperately crave. It might just be enough to keep your spot in the side. Max Alpha Aid by TGC. For the man who has nothing to hide, but still wants to. Well, boys, um, the Australian test captains continue. We can't even believe this is actually happening. Um, let me just read out some numbers. It's always about the numbers. 96 tests, 5,500 runs, an average of 47.6, so we'll call that 50-odd. 17 tonnes at test level, 9,600 ODI runs, we'll call that 10,000. 16 tonnes in that arena. 379 catches at test level, first to 100 test sixes, uh, widely regarded as one of the greatest, I'd say the greatest wicketkeeper batsman in the history of the game. He was a test captain, also regarded as being able to marry success with being a decent bloke, which I guess is relevant to today's conversation. <laughs> He's our most requested guest. He once DM'd us a few years ago, and he also requested, uh, rejected a request he write the forward to our first book, um, which on reflection was wise from him and ridiculous from us. Um, it's the captain of the all-time good bloke 11, Adam Gilchrist. Gilly, hello. Ah, oh, gents, how are you? That's a very kind introduction. But the only thing I'd like to pull you up on, 50-odd for the, the 47, you can't get it up to in and around 60. <laughs> the terminology is a great trigger. Uh, what a, there's no limit to how far you can get it up, mate. Yeah, so somewhere around 60, I would have thought. Okay, 60-odd <laughs> it is. Um, Gilly... Uh, you, you came through the ranks of the late 80s, early 90s, Sydney-grade cricket um, system. You know, As you'd be well aware, all of us, um, me, Dave, Higos and yourself, are all Gordon club mates. Um, <laughs> what, what are your memories of um, grade cricket at that time and, and what does it mean to you? Oh, uh, outstanding memories uh, and 
you know, at, at, at this stage of my life and, and post-career, they're, they're, um, you know, it means a lot. I think all the memories and recollections of that. Um, yeah, the mighty Stags had three seasons there. We managed to have a couple of premierships, which was, which was good. But um, it, it, it was just the pathway. That was what the pathway was in those days. It was a particular for a country bloke coming down, country kid coming from regional New South Wales, uh, you know, eyeing off Sydney Grey cricket, having played a bit of Green Shield cricket and then Poitou and Grey, you know, through the holidays. And then came out um, but the, the pathway was slot in, in the lower grades somewhere and I, I started in seconds at Gordon. Because wow. um, yeah. Phil Emery was, was my roadblock. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, was, I started... Well, actually, I think my very first game for Gordon was in ones and then because okay. Phil was on state duty, Phil Emery. And uh, the next week I went down to twos. And <laughs> How'd you go? Do you remember? There and, uh, we, I remember, we, I think it was against Balmain, I think. I, I need to check the records. But um, got a few runs and then managed to hold my spot in ones from there on in as a batsman. So whenever the all came back, I managed to sneak into the slips or somewhere around there. But, uh, yeah, awesome. Just... Um, just so, and I guess that's, I'll get the platitudes out of the way early. I guess that's what makes what you blokes are doing so relatable because so many oh, people yeah. have been through that great system where all the terminology, all the skullduggery and all the um, stupidity uh, of, of grade cricket in amongst some blokes taking it pretty serious. Um, mm. it, it's just brilliant. It's a great breeding ground and, and unbelievable memories. They're right up there on par with memories of, you know, sitting around the change room in a test match after a game celebrating. Geez, the, the club celebrations go pretty well too. <laughs> well, interesting you say, Gilly, a, good, a good time for a segue here because I actually reached out to some of your former teammates uh, at the Stags and uh, you talk about the stupidity and the comparisons oh. with, the, with the test level, but um, can you confirm that a magazine was passed around the Gordon dressing room by a senior unnamed player for all, for all to touch as some sort of ritual? Oh, yes, definitely. Yes, <laughs> most definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit like uh, Liverpool Football Club soccer team, as we call it. Either when they walk out at Anfield, they all touch the little, the little badge of the, the sort of coat of arms, if you like, on the way out. And if, you, if you haven't, uh, oh yeah, if you'd gone onto that field at Kalara Oval or Chatswood Oval, as they play now, like, and you hadn't touched the in, in inverted commas Bible, <laughs> you were in for a dark day. It was going to be a dark day. Simple as that. It's funny nowadays in grade cricket, with the decline of print media, you actually just have to touch someone's iPhone. <laughs> and um, it's not quite the same. Well, you can imagine that. I mean, the irony was, and I, I, I know it's a politically correct world that we live in, but there, we did have a, a preacher in our team who actually, in his kit bag, did have the actual real version of the Bible. And uh, I do remember it. As, as sharp as a tongue a great cricketer can have, one of our guys, all unnamed, of course, but one of our guys saying, oh, mate, I've read that one. I didn't like the ending. So, yeah, that, that's the sort of, stuff, sort of stuff you're dealing with in club cricket change rooms, isn't it? But it's uh, all good for the soul. Speaking of the, uh, the change rooms, Gilly, you played great cricket alongside Kevin Roberts, who's the new CEO of Cricket Australia. Can you tell us a little bit about what he was like back then, including whether he showered after a game or not? <laughs> oh, most definitely, the Gordon boys, we, you had to shower. <laughs> but, um, normally about four hours, six hours with uh, a bunch of fans just quenching the thirst. But 
Um, no, Robbo was, yeah, very, very talented cricketer. Obviously played shield cricket. Went through Australian under-19s together and uh, and down at the Institute of Sport. Um, yeah, it's funny where we all end up. Because at that time, you would have told me that um, Sneak and Kev Roberts was going to be CEO of Cricket Australia one day. <laughs> I would have been uh, a little bit surprised. But uh, he always he was always a very, very smart young man, uh, intelligent. He continued to study um, feverishly through the playing days where all the rest of us took the easy option and said, oh, no, just focusing on the game. You know, we've got to get, get that right. But he was able to combine his studies and then move into the corporate world and do it very, very well. We'll move into, um, you know, a little bit later on in your career and beyond second grade at Gordon, um, <laughs> Gilly. But, um, and so sorry to fast forward through um, a whole bunch of stuff that happened for you, but um, it just strikes me, you know, sort of in the current era of Australian cricket where we're talking about, you know, a- anyone who makes a score might be able to make the side. And uh, I have a bit of a, like a, a, an odd question for you. I mean, you had to perform for sort of seven to ten years in first-class cricket before getting a start in the test team. And I just sort of wondered, like, you know, for a guy widely regarded as one of the game's greats. Like, is there, is there any part of you that wonders how much more you could have achieved in test cricket if you'd sort of been blooded like an 18-year-old prodigy you know, rather than having to wait so long? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd never sat back to, uh, yeah, to reflect on that. I, I was uh, selected. Oh, there's the dog. Uh, <laughs> just giving its opinion. But um, I, was, I was shifted into the state team, in the New South Wales team, out of club cricket pretty uh, I suppose pretty early I hadn't scored a great a great hundred actually at that stage I don't reckon I'd been through the under 19 system and, and had a bit of success there but as far as an actual first grade hundred I don't think I'd peeled one off so there was a bit of a speculate speculation there from the selectors that I was going to come good but um, I wasn't ready to be be you know punching on in there too 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 much earlier I don't think I think the um, the ins and outs in the New South Wales team, which then led me to move to WA. That all that was all great experience, the highs, the lows, and, and, and forming me as a person and a cricketer. As I then eventually was able to get elevated up there, and, and the blokes, certainly the bloke uh, in the role, in the wicket keeping role that was keeping me or anyone else out of the Aussie team, he was doing a reasonable job. Neil, I reckon. <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask you about heels, um, my mate heels, Gilly, my mate Gilly, um, in that. Like, how hard was it for you to sort of um, to sort of overcome like the the love of that Ian Healy had because your selection sort of really I mean, divided the nation to over exaggerate it massively. But like he was such a loved player and he you know performed for a long period of time as well. Like, did you actually ever think about um, you know the public's opinion of you or, or what it meant to sort of replace you know a great in Ian Healy? Yeah. Uh... Well, the good thing was I talk about all the various experiences you have. It's good to draw back on them and hopefully you've learnt something. It was a bit of deja vu, really, because mm. when I did a few years earlier move to Perth, mm. mate, Timmy Zura was the one that I replaced here. And tell you what, the parochial crowd over here in WA, <laughs> and, uh, the locals didn't like a, a young, unknown New South Welshman coming in, mm. you know, up, up out seating the. Um, the, the, you know the crowd favourite here, so I got absolutely creamed over here. I got booed onto the field all the time, and um, at the start of the, the start of my career, it was small town, so there was uh, always in the press, on the radio, discussion topics. I had one little kid waving to me in about my third game for WA, where um, he was waving to me, and finally I thought I'd won over a fan, so I waved back, and he yelled out, "You'll just go home." So over here in Perth, and then I was. I suppose all I wanted to do was try and not beat Tim Zura, who was a 
really, really talented cricketer and you know, clearly played for Australia as well and been a long service to WA. But just I'd not try and be him, but just try to get my standards and, and level of um, uh, of what I was doing and try looking to achieve uh, up near his so that it didn't feel like the team was missing anything. So too, when I took over from Heels, it wasn't, mm. you know, I loved Heels. I loved watching him and learning from him. And um, So when I got in there, it sort of felt like I'd been through this process before and was pretty comfortable with it. Mm. Yeah, you unseated Emery, Zura and Healy and then went on to be the greatest <laughs> keeper batsman ever. So I guess they've got some good stories. I mean... I guess this question is a bit connected, Gilly. I was listening to your commentary on Fox uh, yesterday as we go to air, and Graham Smith was was talking about an identity crisis in Australian cricket. And you know, it's interesting that you speak so highly of Ian Healy and generally have a, a reputation of being someone who's a, like quite a quite a good bloke who succeeded really well. And you, you mentioned Australia was lacking natural aggression. So uh, you know, given you're someone, let's let's accept that you're a good person, a decent bloke. Like, what <laughs> can you can you explain to us then to you, like what aggression means in cricket and what why does it sometimes feel to many others in Australian cricket that you sort of need to be a bit of a prick on field to succeed? Oh, no, well, I don't subscribe to that theory that you need to be that. You need to be a prick to succeed. And now I think, um, oh, look, I, I can't really put my finger on exactly what it is that, that um, you need to have on the field. I think you just need to be, and all, all this talk around about this elite honesty, um, you know, I feel a bit sorry for Justin Langer in in, in that sort of in internal um, messaging for his team that he's trying to spark something within in this rebuild, and then someone lobs it out there on social media, and everyone's carving into that uh, in their change rooms. They've got these words that um, mm. really it's, it's no one else's business. But um, I I just think it, it is about being honest with yourself. What how do you play the game? What what you're comfortable with? I wasn't a big sledger because the moment the words left my mouth, I was officially nervous that I was going to either drop a catch or get knocked over next ball <laughs> uh, batting. So I was pretty hopeless. I didn't. It's not that I didn't ever sledge. I got involved in a, a, a few singing matches out there and, and gave it as good as I got when I when I got revved up. But I didn't go out there looking for it. Others do. Obviously, there's plenty of blokes, plenty of personalities that go looking for a fight out there. So. It's just about um, you know, being honest to yourself as to how you're comfortable playing your cricket. But uh, we, you know, we were just brought up that you know, that's the Aussie way. That's what was passed on and passed on down. Mm. But, but you can't, even in trying to inherit that and carry it on, um, you can't manufacture it and you can't you know, try to be something that you, you aren't really. So I, it's... I'm not paying too much attention to this whole, you know, Aussie teams are always sledges and always aggressive on the field. Some some will be, some won't be. Some will have big personalities and others won't. So I don't think it needs to be um, something that is uh, forcefully ingrained into any any setup because if it's if it's false, it's going to shine through. I mean, you played largely in the um, the era just before every single little comment got picked up. I mean, there was a start a stump mic back yeah. in your day, but there must have been a lot of things said on the field that, that left you raising your eyebrows extensively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's funny, it's funny talking with Junior Mark Ward yesterday and, and Warney and, uh, and Graham Smith just before we went to air, we were talking about this whole sledging stuff. And we gave, I said on air in our pregame, uh, before that game against South Africa, the opening match on Fox, we were 
we gave Graham Smith a fearful touch-up on his debut. Um, mm. Verbal touch-up. Uh, <laughs> uh, we um, certainly uh, tested him out, as was the natural way, wasn't it, at any level of cricket. A, a rookie coming out on his debut, mm. sort of get in his face a bit and test him out. and uh, and But he didn't have a problem with it. He, he, he just thought it was... Um, I think he wore it as a badge of honour that we, we went at him so hard. But uh, but Junior, in that comment, said, oh, man, there was heaps worse things said when we were playing compared to now. <laughs> so a bit, bit puzzled as to why everyone sort of flares up about sledging. But I, I, don't, I don't think that it's uh, sledging or the words that are being passed out there it's been there's been a lot of really over the top aggressive sort of body language and posturing and and walking up getting in your face i mean that's they're not good images but mm. just saying a few things is that's that's no drama i don't think anyone has a problem with that mm. Gilly, we'll move into throwdowns, which is probably part sledging, if we're honest. Uh, um, but uh, it's all it's all very light, uh, and uh, the jokes wrapped up in the questions. So apologies for the ind- for the indulgence. But um, I'll start with the first one, Gilly. Uh, in 2015, News.com.au you ran a headline titled "Adam Gilchrist's Epic Bender." Uh, it wasn't clickbait. It was Matt Hayden explaining quite thoroughly your strategy for defeating jet lag. Uh, for the benefit of listeners keen to understand jet lag strategies, can you please explain your theory? <laughs> Explain my theory about that about my approach for jet lag. Is that, yes, is that yes. what you want? Yes, please. In response yeah. to the oh, um, yeah. headline, yeah. Adam Gilchrist, Epic Bender. Hop in. <laughs> yeah, hop in. You just got to hop in. Like seriously, first night, absolutely knock yourself out, and then you're in. You're in your sleeping pattern. Away you go. But, but according, think, according to the article, Gilly, you um you did it for four nights in a row, and then said you wanted one more night. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say. I think I think that article related to that I actually, uh, having been pulled up by team management to just settle it down a bit, um, I did ask if they would allow me one more night and they did agree to that. So that was good. I went home with 140 in the World Cup final. I've got to be happy with that, don't I? <laughs> Absolutely. Forgive it. Uh, Gilly, you grew up on a quarter-acre block in regional New South Wales. Plenty of space, fresh country air, siblings competing against the backyard, the idyllic Australian upbringing. I live in a small two-bedroom house in inner-city Sydney which sits under a flight path and has a minimal backyard in what is a slowing property market. How do you suggest I raise my young son to play cricket for Australia in this urban environment amid such economic uncertainty? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what I can come up with there. <laughs> the end of backyards, though, hallway? Gilly. Yeah, I mean, slight, you're right. There's a slight hallway? There is a slight hallway, and um, there's not a lot of space on the leg or offside, so um, he won't be very good square. <laughs> okay, so he's going to play straight, then. <laughs> he plays straight. Um, Gilly, uh, Sri Lanka accused you of cheating when you batted in the World Cup final of 2007 with a squash ball in your glove. How difficult was it for you to come back from your 12-month international ban? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a strong accusation, that wasn't it? It was a performance-enhancing device, apparently. That was uh, one of the quotes. Uh, my challenge to the Sri Lankans or anyone else that questioned it is say, try it out, see, see, see how bloody uncomfortable it is and see how you go batting with a squash ball in your glove, but uh, no, it seemed to come off all right. The thing is, I'd used it a few other times and it hadn't worked so well, so um, yeah, on balance, I was happy with the outcome. (laughs) 
Gilly, a few names here for you. War, War, Warn, McGrath, Hayden, Langer, Ponting, Gilchrist. Who was the biggest alpha male of this group and why? We'll strike Mark War off the list immediately. <laughs> I guess that was one of the options there. <laughs> um, oh, war, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the king, no, yeah, big warning. He's uh, pretty forthright in what he what he says, what he pursues. Um, he's the best ever at what he goes to do in life. He's a leg spinner. Um, other than that, yeah, I think he wins the title. Gilly, with the CA chairmanship vacant, is that something you could see yourself doing one day, or are you a bit short on anchorman quotes? <laughs> Leave that the yeah, chairmanship alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. How's this? I, I, I messaged I messaged my old man yesterday saying first day in my new job. Yeah. <laughs> back. That was when I was on my, I was on my way to uh, first stadium for the first ODI. He messaged back said, "You're taking the chairmanship." <laughs> That's how you know, well connected he is. Uh, your second ever test match, uh, Pakistan v Hobart. You and Justin Langer put on 238 and you chased down 370 in the fourth innings for a famous victory for Australia and each other. Justin absolutely leathered one to the keeper of Wazim Akram, was given not out and blamed a clicky bat. For years, he kept the lie of a faulty yeah. bat handle before finally admitting that he smashed it. Is this an example of elite honesty? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's allowed to do that, a bit like tax seven-year rule after that. Is that, is that right? So I think he waited the seven years and got out of there. But, um, no, that, that, but that, when, I wasn't sure where you were going with that partnership, but my, my very quick recollection, the main standout of that was post-game, big celebrations, get down the uh, post-match presentation. Richie throws it down to Tony Gregg. God love the, uh, both of them. And uh, Tony said, yeah, you know, the interview's Justin. He's man of the match. That's fantastic. And because of the, the sort of euphoric situation we were in, and it was a bit of a record run chase, they decided to get me in. And Tony says, oh, Gilly, that looked like a fantastic pitch out there. He said, it really looked like a, a good wicket. It held together well. He said, in your test career so far, how, how would you rate that, that wicket? <laughs> and I, I just sat there and I thought, I don't know what to say. So my answer was, well, oh, it's in my top two. <laughs> Uh, Gilly, where is it? Back to you, Richie. <laughs> um, probably the last one here, mate. It's, it's a two-prong one. Uh, do you think Cricket Australia's profits first, win-at-all-costs culture is what inspired Michael Clark to endorse a failed Queensland-based cryptocurrency startup? <laughs> and B, what's the weirdest thing you've ever been asked to lend your name to? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've got to be careful who, what I say about anyone uh, <laughs> taking on any endorsements. I, my very first actual sort of non-cricket related, cricket equipment related, so really you know, very fortunate as a youngster and through the coming up through the grades to have bat sponsors and so on. But my first endorsement commercial relationship outside of the game, Crown Forklifts. Which is a natural plan. I mean, you can see, yeah, easily see how a cricketer can promote a forklift company, can't you? I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a go-to yeah. every time. Yeah. But, but I, um, my you manager, can travel with my a manager received from a, sorry, my man, manager received via a facsimile because that's how long ago it was. Received a, a picture of a forklift with a real one of those big 
sort of red no smoking signs through it, <laughs> and that was all it said. No words were needed. Uh, fantastic. Gilly, um, thank you for taking on us a wild journey through your uh, cricket mm. career and views on cricket. Uh, you've been a very good sport about it. I mean, we, we still, um, I guess, extremely honoured to be talking with um, one of the absolute greats of the game, um, definitely on the field, and, and it would appear off the field as well. So um, thank you very much for joining the great cricketer, mate. It's been a long time coming, and uh, it's uh, totally our pleasure. Uh, absolutely. It's pleasure all mine. And, uh, I know it's a, it's a light-hearted look at cricket, mostly from you blokes, but in all seriousness, I think, the uh, joy and pleasure and humour uh, that you bring for a lot of people who have been through that process, a very important process that is great cricket and part of the, the, the whole structure. I reckon uh, a huge applause to you, blokes. Keep it up. Cool. Well, well we're retiring now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it has been referred to as uh, the, the best uh, sports writing tribute to, to a particular sport since fever pitch. Uh, does it do anything to enhance literature would be another question. Another. I wouldn't even call it literature, really. And to round off the show... Hashtag AskTGC. Some good questions have come in this week from all corners of both the world and the internet. Donny Garcia says on the Twitter machine, he says, Hi, fellas. Have thoroughly enjoyed all facets of your work over the years. Keep it up. Thanks, Donny. My question is two-pronged. With the seemingly inevitable selection of spin youngest, spin youngest? Lloyd Pope, who has proven to be very talented, does Cricket Australia need to start reading the Australian public for, for possibly the most non-rig, pipe or salad-based selection since Mark Cosgrove's ODI selection? And if yes, how do you suggest they do this? Letter drop? Banner behind an airplane? Mm. Communications question. Mm. A bit of a first softening up first. of the Very the cheeky to ask a two-prong question. Mm. Let's, um, let's fucking avoid that in the future. <laughs> Lloyd Pope's hair, though. Lloyd Pope's hair looks magnificent now and flowing, but judging by the actual hairline, I feel like it's going to go very quickly. My mm. question to you guys, mm. fuck his questions, he's mine to you. <laughs> Are we ready for a bald, red-headed leggy? Mm. Well, those seem like contradictory things, a bald, red-headed. They're like, you know, kind of like receding, like yeah. Tom Gleeson yeah. style yeah, yeah, hairline. Yeah. Pez, didn't you say this last year? You said like, it's, a, it's a high for it. Is that what you said? Yeah, it's a high for it. And yeah. also, it's extremely, like dead wispy hair and i say this you know advisedly like you can tell you can tell the hair while it is sort of voluminous mm. at the moment mm-hmm. but it, it lacks life mm. it it flops mm. uh and so it's quantity not quality and the forehead is high so i think those things combined would suggest it's probably covering a horseshoe mm. okay um it's covering a horseshoe dave yeah. any follicle specialists who want to chime in on that please um okay so we have to we have to prepare the public for this selection non-salad, non-pipe-based. How does Cricket Australia do this? Yeah, it has to be. I mean, it presumes that the campaign hasn't already begun Mm. uh, from Cricket Australia. I believe it will take, because we're so committed to, like, chess and pipes, it will take sort of two to three years. Uh, I'd be looking for, yeah, like a, a bit of a soft... Communication so play. like a drawn out communication yeah, strategy. Yeah, documentary overlay. like thirty for thirty documentaries on Mercury <laughs> right. and stuff. Um, <laughs> like like on all non pipes or like a sort of bad ring right. Australian cricketers thirty yep. for thirty. So I go to ESPN, um, Cricket Australia make those documentaries as well. Yeah, um, just softening the ground for Lloyd. Okay, um, this is probably my favourite question of the week, and it comes in from an anonymous English cricket journalist who is a real person and well respected. Mm. He says, "I have it on pretty good authority, genuinely." that the betailed South African alpha king, Faf Duplessis, refers to his fists as Dolce and Gabbana. 
<laughs> if, if it is possible to look behind the sheer brilliance of this, not a given, does the panel know of any other players, grade or higher, who have nicknames for body parts? Oh, where do we start? <laughs> yes. And specifically, one body part. <laughs> I knew a bloke called Pins, though, just like because yeah. his legs were really good and they were always waxed and good definition in the carbs. Pins, yeah. Pins. Okay. Pinsy. We've, I'm sure we've told this story in the past, but, like, Dave, you and I played with a guy in, like, rep cricket junior age stuff and we just called him Teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just because that was the most noticeable he body feature. Teeth. But he was a 14-year-old boy and that was definitely bullying. Yeah. But look how successful we are. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a difference between uh, like a really well thought out, um, personally attributed nickname to do with a yeah, body part, and then yeah. just the Australian the trope of like just calling someone the opposite of what they are, so a tall, mm. per- so a tall person, pigeon. tiny, yeah, yeah, mm. pigeon. <laughs> yeah, it's not a oh, you pigeon. look like a pigeon. <laughs> I played cricket with a guy um, who nicknamed his dick Brad. Right. Do with that information what you will. Can we talk about, though, like, the actual, like, why does Fafti proceed naming his fists? What's he doing with his fists? Is yeah. he going out with, like, knuckle dusters? And why Dolce and Gabbana? Yes. Like, is it high fashion? Mm. Or is it yeah. high fashion? Everything about fa- is so alpha. Everything about it is just incredibly alpha. All right, next question. Scott Donaldson on Twitter, I think. Um... He says, My own cricket career came to a premature end. As a plucky but limited opener, my last three innings resulted in ducks, the latter two of which were golden ducks, LBW. I was then summarily dropped from firsts for a bloke who had been piling on the runs in seconds, my younger brother. I took this setback on the chin and moved away to uni, never to, dark, never to darken a cricket pitch again. Fast forward a few years, and today I'm supposed to be taking my eight-year-old son to his first net session. My question is this. Should I take him along as promised or be a good father and make him stay home and watch TV, thereby probably saving him a good decade or two of his precious younger years? <laughs> Thanks, SD. Yeah, it's certainly a crossroads as a, as a dad, <laughs> isn't it? He can just see he can see mm. the perils of going down that path <laughs> of exposing his child to cricket, mm, and therefore yeah. all of his child, uh, ch- yeah, his child. He's clearly worried about it, isn't he? Like mm. a mere hours before he goes and does it, he's consulting us. Yeah, yeah, yeah amateur yeah. psychologist. Yeah. I know what I'll do. Sure. I'll write to TGC. I'll ask they'll get back to me. They won't get back to me until he's actually gone to the net, though. <laughs> so this could all be moot. Well, I am sitting in front of two fathers, both of young boys. Like, are they going to play cricket? It's so funny how many people come up to you and yeah. go, oh, have you, have you got him in the nets yet? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Six have you old. He, yeah, and, and yes, I have. How do you do? <laughs> yeah. no, Don't inflict your own failures on your son. Yeah. <laughs> that, I think the question. <laughs> James Hawthorne on Facebook. I was in an investment briefing uh, being, being held by a firm on Wednesday morning. As is common, there was a lengthy discussion about por- portfolio theory, specifically alpha, always desirable in portfolios, and beta, usually not a priority but merits inclusion given the recent pullback in markets. As the discussion continued, a client who is a partner at a major law firm remarked, this sounds just like the great cricketer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not witty enough to turn this into a, into a, a hashtag AskTJC about the parallels of cricket's beta era and adding beta to portfolios now, now because markets are oversold. But TJC <laughs> did offer a great opportunity for some rapport building with this guy. You've got some listeners in some unexpected places. By the way, <laughs> last week was the best one yet. Thank you, James. Uh, who wants that one? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just a great comment more than anything that we can appreciate the on many there, levels it? but um yeah. i just wonder whether the partner actually vocalized that to the room of <laughs> of uh, of uh, 
business guys or yeah. have you just quietly took um, the questioner aside and, and said, no, this reminds me of the great cricketer? Mm. Hopefully just to a room full of um, blokes. When I, when I moved to London, I had to like find a job so I could make monies to do things with my oh, yeah. wife. And um, this is background. Uh, and there was a job that came up from a company called Alpha Sites, mm-hmm. yep. and I sort of naturally went for it just purely for the joke. Mm. Um, something else ended up coming up, but then at the second job that I ended up getting, they've just been advertising for um, a project lead for their beta community. <laughs> so go for that. It's just fun. Yeah, Alpha and Beta yeah. really just uh, transcend. They're everywhere though, because like. I don't know about you guys, but just being a part of TJC, like some words you just walk past and you'll just, they'll just stand out to you. Yeah. Like uh, an apartment next to mine was being sold by Alpha Real Estate. Yeah. You go to a butcher, you want to chop? Well, yes, definitely. <laughs> but what about some meats? <laughs> but why, like, I mean, it's, we're not using the old phone book anymore. Like being, being at the front of the phone book mm. using an A for your, for your company isn't beneficial anymore. You just all, it's like 60 million companies called Alpha. It, it does go to, you see Alpha everywhere, don't you? Like it does go to show that in boardrooms and kind mm. of like committee rooms everywhere, people mm. will see, see the word Alpha and go, yeah, people will buy that. People yeah. want that. People want alpha. Yeah. In that. Reese Fennell, hashtag ask grade cricketer. That's not the correct thing, but I'll get it anyway. Hey, guys, love your work and just had a question for yous. Mm. Didn't know you could pluralise that. I'm a young, fast bowling all-rounder and have a good rig and pipes. I already don't like this question. Wow. This is so self-indulgent, but yeah. go on then. Uh, and have been told that this would make me a good fit in grade cricket instead of the yuck park shit I currently play. Okay, you got me back, Reese. However, being an avid listener of yours, I can honestly say the thought of doing so puts the fear of God in me. Should I, A, continue taking wickets in the most meaningless form of pretty of a pretty meaningless game, or B, almost certainly destroy my love for the game and leave me scared and traumatised for life? <laughs> That's actually quite good. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of grade cricket in Reese already. Like, mm. he's sort of managed to, like throw in a few kind of positive elements of his game into that question. He just managed to just warp them in there. Should mm. I continue taking wickets in mm. hard cricket? Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. You take yeah, wickets yeah, too. Yeah, take yeah. Oh, I've got a good pipe and rig. Yeah. Like, so I think you should go to grade cricket and just experience yeah. that. I think it'd well, be good for There doesn't seem to him. be a lot of social awareness about Reese because, you know, he's just <laughs> explicitly said, I'm a young fast bowling all-rounder and have a good rig and pipes and have been told this would make me a good fit. Have you ever read any of our literature? Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, yeah, I think you should experience some grade cricket. That's the end of another show this week. Thanks as ever for those who wrote in for hashtag RCGC. And please, we want some more hashtag escape goats because we want to know how you escaped from cricket and how that furthered your life, be it romantically, professionally, or health-wise. Um, next week is a huge bumper show because the guests just keep getting better and better. Uh, of course, there's been a new uh, change in governments in Cricket Australia. And we are interviewing the CEO of Cricket Australia, Kevin Roberts, in person next week. We're all going to be in Melbourne. We're going to be in the same room. Fingers crossed if that comes through. Um, and so that's who's on the show next week. Thanks as ever, boys. Pez, before we go. To play us out, uh, we had a tweet this week from a band uh, called The Backs. Mm. Not exactly sure where they're from. Normally we ignore most people tweeting to us because we've become too big for our mm. boots, obviously, and that's going to hurt us later uh, <laughs> on down the track. But they have written to us, <laughs> and uh, this was the tweet. They said, G'day, Choppers. Uh, we've just released our song on the Bradman myth <laughs> and shot a music video starring our friend Annie Fox as Don Bradman. I uh, thought you may or may not enjoy and we all very much enjoy mm. it. So we've asked The Backs whether we'd be able to play out their song uh, on the Don Bradman myth. It uh, references sectarian uh, issues and all sorts of things. So we really enjoyed it. Um, thanks to Bax for letting us play this out uh, for no fee at all because um, it's all about exposure, uh, as we've learned <laughs> over many, many years. Hope you enjoy the tune. Uh, we'll catch you all next week.
Your problem with the Irish, the 